Welcome to the IoT Review, presenting unbiased insights on the industrial internet of things from experts around the world. And here's your host, Sravani Bhattacharji, to discuss yet another fascinating aspect of the industrial IoT journey that may positively impact your business and your customers. Hi, and welcome to the IoT Review. In today's episode, our focus will be on the various challenges and loopholes in um, securing the Internet of Things at an industrial scale. And to talk on that topic, we are really honored to host an industry expert who has been active with many Internet innovations since the 1980s. He has 39 RFCs to his credit, chaired various standards committees, currently co-chairs the IPv6 working group at the IETF. So friends, let's welcome Bob Hinden, who is a fellow at Checkpoint Software. Bob, welcome and thanks for joining. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to um, be here and to be able to talk about this topic. Um, it certainly has gotten my attention lately and uh, very, becoming very interesting. Very good. Well, to begin with, let's talk um, about the increasing sophistry of uh, cyber attacks. You know, gone are the days of individual amateur hackers. Uh, we are now confronted with organized cyber attacks and even business models are being built around that. Can you please speak on what that really implies when it comes to securing enterprise IoT? Right. So, I mean, it, it seems to me that, you know, we've progressed from the days where it was people just fooling around to see what they're doing to a mix of attacks that are, some are government-sponsored, some are, but I think many more are now starting to be, I'm not sure business is the right word, but certainly money-related. We see this in a bunch of different kinds of things. I guess the recent outbreak of ransomware is, I think, a good example where clearly people are doing ransomware to make money. Just, you know, it's like the old kind of, you know, ransom, it's the, um, just like we used to when, you know, people were kidnapped for ransom. It's like now your computers or your network is kidnapped for ransom. The sophistication of the ransomware malware of encrypting all of your data, you know, it's very high. It's more, a lot of it's impossible to break and people have no choice but to pay. And uh, and they hope after they pay that the uh, people who did it will actually unlock their data. Uh, sometimes probably doesn't happen. Of course, this is, you know, people are making a business of this and, you know, their reputation will suffer if they don't unlock the data after receiving payment. So I guess that's a small, small uh, good thing, but um, it's all pretty scary. But recently, we've been seeing sort of a new kind of denial of service attack. Denial of service attacks certainly aren't new, but now we're seeing them come from, you know, large numbers of so-called Internet of Things um, devices. And, and that's, uh, you know, I think brings this all to a new level that we weren't seeing before. Yeah, so uh, with the Internet of Things and industrial IoT, we are, of course, expanding the threat surface also. And in recent months uh, itself, we've seen a series of denial of service attacks where IoT devices, like you just said, were used as botnet. So the insecurity of IoT ecosystem is no longer a speculation. It's being proven almost every other day. So what are your thoughts about it? 
uh, as an industry, what can we learn from these attacks and what should be some of the right next steps? Right. I mean, so I guess to start with, I mean, I, I'm starting to think about this more and more of the Internet of insecure things. And uh, it's a problem that I think we all need to figure out what to do with. And it, it's certainly not simple. There's a number of places to start here. Why don't I start by just sort of summarizing some of the recent attacks. The first one that I was aware of was the attack on a blog written by Brian Krebs called Krebs on Security. This happened in the middle of September, so this is all fairly recent. He had written a series of articles about a an organization called VDOS, which is a distributed denial of service for hire service. Who knew there were going to be organizations that you could hire to do DDoS attack. So, you know, it's another example of it being about money. And so he wrote he wrote an article about them. You know, a couple of weeks after the article was published, his site was attacked with, you know, approximately 620 gigabits per second of traffic. You know, this was coming from malware running on Internet of Things devices, IP cameras, DVRs, things like that. Things things you go to Amazon and you know, buy, there's like pages and pages of cameras for, you know, $50. And they all came with, yeah, they were very nice IP cameras, but they came with very rudimentary security. They had bought well-known passwords. They had firmware passwords that you probably couldn't even change. And so wrote malware that could take over these devices. You know, you just had to find them and then you knew how to log in because most users weren't updating the, the login password information. And then the malware would run and both look for other devices and then could be used for denial of service attack. We saw another attack in October on a web hosting provider called OV8, and they were attacked by a botnet with about 150,000 um, nodes in it. Same same kind of devices, very similar malware. That uh, attack eked a little higher, like about a terabit per second. And then the probably the most visible attack occurred on the 21st of October this year, and this was about a DNS provider, Dyn, D-Y-N, and this this was reported to be a, a little larger, like 1.2 terabits per second. You know, it's hard to know that the numbers are exactly right. But Dyne provides DNS services for very well-known web providers, Twitter, Amazon, Reddit, Spotify, Netflix. So that, you know, when their DNS service was disrupted, it affected lots and lots of Internet users. For a practical point of view, for these users of these services, the internet was down, and this made the public news cycle. The previous attacks were sort of better known just to the security community, but the, this attack, because so many users were affected, um, became very visible. So that you know, I think there's there's no reason to think this is going to stop. We don't know how to do that yet. Yes, and um, you know, these are as the adoption of. Um IoT increases more in the industrial space like manufacturing, oil and gas, and so forth. We are, you know, bound to hit challenges, and those are we are moving in the space of OT, uh, the operational technology space, and we are. We, you already spoke about default uh, login and password and lack of uh, upgrades, software upgrades, and so forth. Now, yeah, we hit challenges. Those are less prevalent in existing 
IT infrastructures. So can you share your thoughts on some of those unique challenges specific to industrial um, IoT and why we might have to think and do things differently to secure enterprise IoT? Right. Well, so first of all, I mean, I think to some degree we've, with the experience of having you know, computers on the internet, enterprises, home users. A lot of devices like PCs and Macs and phones and stuff, these are relatively well supported. They get updates from the manu- software ma- updates from the manufacturer. People right. care about security. Mm-hmm. People run antivirus on PCs. There's mobile solutions for mobile malware. You know, there's a lot of activity. So they're all, you know, there's a user associated with them who manages them, or in enterprises, there's usually an IT department. And so there can be policies about making sure the software is up to date. You know, we, we the industry, you know, and users have learned to live in this world. It's certainly not perfect. People click on a phishing email, they may get ransomware, but at least it's a, it's a lot better than a lot of IoT devices, which are largely just plugged in and used. They don't get software updates. There's a very complicated supply chain from the manufacturer to the consumer or the user. You know, these devices are used in homes. They're used in enterprises. They're they're used in industrial settings. But, you know, they're, they're just sort of people plug them in and you know, use them or forget about them. And so there, at this price point, there hasn't been a lot of attention put on support up doing security updates or even the most rudimentary things like not allowing it to come online with a the default uh, well-known login and password or not having backdoors, essentially. So, you know, we, so in some sense, they're very different in that respect. The, the lessons that have we've learned from, you know, more conventional internet devices or IT devices haven't um, been applied here. I mean, the, the recent attacks are based on very simple vulnerabilities. These attacks are not based on things that are more sophisticated. They're not tap-breaking protocols. They're just using the default login capability. So I think it's different. I mean, one thing about enterprise or industrial IoT, you know, I think the big difference there between, say, many users, home users, is that there probably is some sort of IT support. And you may have the resources to make sure that, you know, look for devices that are on your network that are not secured or, you know, you can have a security policy, essentially, and you can enforce it. Now, you know, it's fine for big, you know, enterprises with IT departments, but, you know, small enterprises, uh, less sophisticated users, it's going to, it'll still be a big problem. And, you know, it comes back to, I think, the fundamental that these devices are not well secured. And there's no, it's unclear what the, who has the responsibility for fixing this. People whose IP cameras were used in these attacks may not even not have any idea they're being used. The IP camera part probably works just fine. And it's, you know, the manufacturer is so far away from the consumer, people didn't buy it from the manufacturer. It's not like when, you know, you buy a Windows PC, you get a Windows operating system. You know who the software supplier is. You know who, you know, if you bought it from Dell, you know... You know, there's a relationship there. 
uh, and they support it. The consumers of these devices do not have a relationship with the person, people who wrote the software and built the hardware. It's a complicated supply chain. They probably bought it through, you know, a, you know, one of many retail channels. And um, so it, it's unclear who do you even go to say there's a problem. So in, in that way, I think these Internet of you know, low-end Internet of Things devices are sort of present a whole new set of challenges for how to make more secure. Yeah, and this is also about, uh, you know, what you're just talking about, the security ownership, who really owns to secure it. When we look at all the various stakeholders in industrial IoT supply chain, that's also something you just mentioned, it gets a bit confusing as to who is really responsible for securing IoT. So um, do you have any thoughts about how to address this problem? Well, I mean... From a from a purely technical sense, we need to not very hard it's not very hard to see how to make them more secure. You know, you don't allow them to run with default passwords. You don't have you don't have built you know, but you don't have fixed backdoor access. You do software updates. I mean, no one knows how to write perfect software from a security point of view, but we know how you know, when we find vulnerabilities, we know how to fix them in patches. You know, you see this all the time with, you know, PC, Mac update you know, updates, you see this with iPhones, you see this with Android, et cetera, et cetera. You know, when we find people find vulnerabilities, they push out new software. You know, we even see you know, we've seen vulnerabilities in automobiles come with computers. A lot of them are starting to be on on the on the air all the time you know, on the network all the time. I think a good example of this is what Tesla did because they have the ability to push out new software. Other car vendors requires you to take the car back to the shop to get a software update. That clearly doesn't work in this world, the world we live in anymore. So people have to adapt. But again, that's a case where, you know, a car usually gets support. You tend to call it service, I guess. Yeah, my car is currently in the shop getting something fixed. But, you know, devices that don't have that kind of, you don't have a, you know, the the consumer, the user does not have a relationship with someone who supports it, I, I think is, it's a big problem. I don't think we really know how to do this, how to do this at this the price point that these devices are sold. You're buying a $50 device goes through, and it goes through a complicated multi-step channel from the manufacturer to the consumer, then there's not very much value or profit or, you know, cost in it to make security better. They, they hardly, you look at the raw materials and the software, it's, they hardly cost anything to sell a $50 device. There's very, to make a profit, you can't put very much investment in it. So it uh, it is, I think, a big challenge. There there has to, we have to get to a point where there is some responsibility or maybe the right word is liability for these devices. I don't think it's going to be practical to, to assume that the consumer's will have liability, and it's going to be hard to get to the manufacturers directly. The idea that I've been at least thinking about is that we need, I mean, besides trying to, in the long term, get them to be more secure, I think we need to apply some, have pressure put on the retailers and have them have some liability because they have the relationships with the actual manufacturers or vendors who build these things. And because, you know, like in the case of Amazon, they sell devices from many different companies, supply chains like that, they're sort of the central point. You think of this as an hourglass, they're the thin part. And so they have they would have a lot of leverage if they insisted that any device they're going to sell has some minimum security built into it. 
Right, and I also heard in the context of Tesla and some other vendors, the over-the-air updates. So that's that's a, that's a good strategy. I think that might help in the IoT ecosystem. Right, but the economics of a car that costs, you know, tens of thousands of dollars is very different from a device that costs fifty dollars. Yes, <laughs> that's and, right. And and I don't think we we don't I don't yeah I don't think we've figured out how to do that yet. But I think we're going to have to, or else the Internet of Things is going to, even though it has immense potential, if we can't figure out how to do this in a way that these devices are not being used to attack other people, then it, it's going to have big problems. Well, you know, I I would at least like to find a way that we don't have don't have to fall back to government regulation on these things, but it's going to be a challenge. Right, and when we talk more about uh, industrial IoT and where you know cars and big uh, industrial gear like airplane uh, engines and so forth are involved, a big percentage of the IoT threats are faced as you rightly pointed out, belongs to that $50 and $100 devices. We cannot ignore them, and they they are going to um, control and have an impact, uh, say, in this whole uh, ecosystem. Yes, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, and, and to make this even worse, you know, this, it's not, this is not like a problem that can be dealt with in just an individual country because the Internet bans borders, and so if you could pass laws in one country or regulations that means the devices in that country are more secure, but they can still easily be tacked attacked by devices from another country. Exactly, that's a great point. At a high level, what are some of the top strategies um, to secure the industrial IoT? You, given your long association with the IETF, how about security standards for the industrial Internet? Well, uh, again, I mean, I, I think in the industrial as in sort of reasonably large scale, you know, I, I think it a lot can be addressed by being aware of the limitations of these devices and making sure that the ones that the support staff uh, make sure that the ones they have are reasonably secured and also watching what's going on in the network. Where it gets a lot harder, I think, is for IoT devices that are largely unmanaged and don't have support and think that, you you know, that's the area where we need to address. I think some of this can be done by liability from the way you buy them. Devices, we still need to do a better job about making Internet devices. Everything on the Internet is, uh, you know, they're all things, so to speak. So it sort of covers everything. We've learned how to do some better than the others. But I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. But we, we have both a, long, we have a long-term problem that I think we're starting to, these attacks have made it much more visible. But at the same time, we have a big operational problem. There's, there's large numbers of these devices that are out there now, and they're not going to just turn themselves off, or the consumers are not going to send them back to the manufacturer. So so we have a I'm pretty confident that we will figure out how to make devices more secure, we'll build better security technologies, but still we have to figure out how to make the incentives for the developers and manufacturers and retailers appropriate for the risk that they can they can have. And at the same time we're going to need to figure out what to do about the large number of ones that are currently deployed. I it's a you know, I don't know if we've had a problem quite like this before, but it is something I think we're all going to need to start thinking about and how to solve. Do you see the standard bodies like IETF playing a role here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the IETF will develop both protocol standards and sort of operational guidelines for things and develop security protocols. And so I think the IETF 
will be a part of this, but the ITF does, you know, we call them voluntary standards, so no one is required to do them, but we can we can set good best current practices, so to speak, for how devices should be. And I and I think that will help other people in the industry make devices that meet with them or have retail channels only sell devices that meet with them to sort of put pressure on the manufacturers. So I think it what the ITF does is necessary, but other people have to do things as well. It can't just be solved by standards. Right. Yeah, totally agree. We talked uh, a lot about the challenging situation, about the, all the challenges. Now, success stories. Success stories are always inspiring. Are there any examples of early wins on IoT security that comes to your mind that you'd like to share with us? Um, that's difficult because, I mean, you'd never hear about devices that are secure and aren't attacked <laughs> or aren't attacking <laughs> So it's, there's been a lot of work in, you know, like for securing the smart grid and for industrial control. I mean, there's companies that focus on this. You know, the company I work for has a range of products that protect um, industrial computing devices, critical infrastructure. There's several companies that do this. And so that it's a similar to what's happened, you know, with the sort of conventional enterprise IT. But that doesn't apply as well, I think, to unmanaged or home users. So you're not going to spend a lot of money on a security gateway for a $50 camera. So we need to we need to need to find some different things but i you know i think the practices and regulations that come with critical infrastructure are being evolved for a number of years now, and I think they're clearly getting better. Uh, we have certs that keep track of attacks and communicate vulnerabilities, uh, much like we do for you know operating systems. But we don't we don't have any similar thing for low end IoT devices yet, as far as I can tell. Okay, yeah, great points. And uh, in the closing, do you want to share any thoughts? Any final thoughts? Um, yeah, just that you know I think this is we're seeing a new a new kind of attack. I mean. Denial of service attacks aren't new, but the scale of these attacks uh, is very worrisome. You know that you can harness very large numbers of unmanaged devices and you know use them to do whatever you want is very, you know very concerning to me. Uh, starting to I think get everyone's attention. It's sort of no one really thought this through, or that maybe it had something bad had to happen before we could fix it. But that's where we've certainly gotten past that. So um, I think we're all going to need to work on this space and figure out how to, how to do this better so we can avoid these kinds of attacks in the future. Gosh, thank you so much, Bob. So in today's episode, we focused on a very worrisome aspect of IoT security. These days, we keep hearing regularly about ransomware and malware attacks using partners of low and IoT devices, Bob emphasized how serious it is to secure these unmanaged devices. So to secure the industrial internet, it is necessary, but not enough to just focus on the security of enterprise and industrial assets, which are typically managed by IT, because unless we secure these low-end unmanaged devices, the IoT ecosystem will always remain exposed to attacks liability pressure on retail channels offering incentives to developers and makers of these low-end devices are few options that we discussed today what's your take on this subject do let us know you can send email to iot at ivcomedia.com 
You've listened to the IoT Review, an exclusive platform to discuss, learn, and harness the power of the industrial Internet of Things. To receive more insightful episodes, subscribe by visiting iot.irecamedia.com. We thank you for your support in empowering industries around the globe with the power of IoT.